And so I don't use the word Satan or devil because when we're kids, you know, we, we think of Satan and devil. And so we think of the guy with the, you know, the red guy with the horns and the pitchfork and, and he's funny and, and he's, you know, and, and like if you're a Star Wars fan, like I remember when, when, uh, when the episode four, five, six, you know, I don't know. Episode one came out. Uh, the the baby's Luke Skywalker. Okay, when he came out, and they had the character Darth Maul. I don't. It's, it's just totally geeking out. I'm sorry. And so I mean, and, but he has like red. He had these little horns and all. And so when you see that character, you're like he looks cool. And it's like so. I don't like using Satan and the devil because that usually evokes either images that are goofy or really cool looking. And so I don't want that because the idea of Satan is so much bigger than that, and so much hor- more horrible than that, and so much more evil than that and sinister and dangerous but there is a spiritual warfare going on and and the story the passion story there are characters all around it but let's not forget this is a story between Jesus and Satan and let me tell you Satan is playing checkers and Jesus is playing chess I mean there's something going on Satan is powerful but he can't see the end game he can't see what's going to happen down the road I wrote this sermon, and I wrote the word Endgame. And because I'm a nerd, I started thinking of the Marvel movie, the Avengers movie, Endgame. Now, I'm going to spoil this. If you haven't seen Endgame, you should have. All right, so, um, but, but, so in, the, in the movie Endgame, the, 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 they're going after this big purple monster guy, uh, the bad guy, the big purple bad guy, and he's trying to kill half the universe. And so the Avengers are there to try to, to um, beat the big purple bad guy. And so they're on the big purple bad guy's planet, and the big purple bad guy's trying to, to, to kill them all. And then you have this Doctor Strange. He's kind of a wizard guy. He can go, you know, back and forth in time. And so you see this guy, it's like wigging out, and he's going through like all these kajillion different versions of the future to find out which one, if there's just one that they can actually win against the big purple bad guy. Spoiler alert, they do, and they win. Um, But you see, Satan doesn't have that power. He doesn't have the power of uh, of Dr. Strange. He can't see the end game. He can't see all the way to the end, but Jesus can. And so Satan is working because he thinks he is setting Jesus up for pain, not realizing that he is actually setting Jesus up for victory. Judas' part in this story is heartbreaking. When I thought about Judas' part in the passion narrative, it breaks my heart. Because you see, even someone who spent every day with Jesus still didn't get it. He still didn't even understand why Jesus was here. But Jesus did. Jesus did see the end game. Jesus did know what was going to happen. Again, Satan was playing checkers. Jesus playing chess. Jesus saw all the moves. He knew Judas was going to betray him. Verses 21 through 23, it says, Behold, the hand of him who betrays me is at the table. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to the man whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another which of them it could be that was doing this. 
it breaks my heart to think about this because Judas was one of them. Judas was there. I, I can kind of understand the Pharisees... They're not liking this Jesus guy rocking the boat. He comes onto their turf into Jerusalem and he's saying these things, these radical teachings, and he's, you know, he's, he's, you know, pushing the envelope with all of them and they're getting, he's getting super popular and they're not able to, they weren't there. They heard the stories about what Jesus did, but see, you have to understand, Jesus did these in, in these out, outlying towns and these other communities. Jesus did these things way over there. They heard about Jesus feeding the 5,000. The Pharisees didn't see that. They heard about Jesus raising Lazarus. They didn't see that. They heard about these incredible things that Jesus did. They didn't see that, but Judas did. Judas was with Jesus. Judas was with Jesus. He was the one helping pass out the, the, the bread and the fish to the 5,000. Judas was there. Judas was there in the, in the evenings around the campfire when they're all you know picking on Peter Judas was one of those guys he saw the eyes of Jesus he he saw the heart of Jesus and yet he was the one that betrayed him and I think about this and I think about how heartbreaking it is but I think about how how many people are in the church today that have been in the church for years and still have their own agenda? It's not about the kingdom of God. It's about the kingdom of me. You see, Judas was part of this, uh, of this um, group called the Zealots. And they were... They were all about restoring the kingdom of Israel. Now, when I say that they're an extreme group, I'm talking extreme. I'm talking on the right side. That we're talking about the guy that on January 6th with the weird horn hat thing and everything and running around painted face. and That guy, okay? This is what we're talking about on that on, on, over there. And on the left side, we're talking about way over here, the person draped in rainbows and baby diapers and stuff that you're like, what? That's not right. Okay, those are the extremes. And so this is the zealots. They are extreme. They, 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 they are not the main line people of Israel. And so Judas was concerned with the kingdom of Israel, not the kingdom of God. He spent all this time with Jesus, all this time hearing his teaching, and yet never got it. And I think about us, I think about the church and how often we come in and we come into the church and are truly understanding Jesus' mission and the fact that it is about the kingdom of God or are we still coming in with the idea that it's about the kingdom of me? And so I want to look at the life of Judas for just a minute and look at a couple of landmines that we learn from Judas, a couple of landmines of the faith that we learn from Judas. Number one, we see that when it comes to Judas, the physical life is all there is. Judas wasn't concerned about the kingdom of God. He was focused on the kingdom of Israel. He wasn't concerned about heaven. He was concerned about his country. He was concerned about what he felt um, 
was right. We need to be careful not to be too focused on this world and sacrifice the soul. That has to do with all kinds of things. I'm not talking about just stuff. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what you're focusing on, what you're pouring your life into. You know, you, you can love your job, you can love your work, but if you're pouring your life into your work, if you're pouring your life into your job and you sacrifice your soul, then you're going to be in trouble. That's a Judas mindset. Number two, Judas saw success is measured in stuff. He was really concerned with money. You remember the story of the woman who anointed Jesus' feet and she uh, uh, used a very expensive anointing oil to, to, to anoint Jesus' feet and wash it with his hair, you know, uh, wash his feet with, the, with, with her hair. And, and Judas' response to this is, my gosh, Jesus, she could have sold that anointing oil and we could have helped so many people with the, you know, who are poor. Judas didn't care about the poor. He didn't care about the money that they could sell the oil for. Judas was in charge of holding that money bag. And he's like, man, imagine how much more money we can put in this money bag. He was too focused on stuff. He saw success measured in stuff. I love the adage that there's not going to be a U-Haul attached to your hearse. I love the adage that the man who dies with the most toys still dies. Store up, Jesus says to store up treasures in heaven, not here on earth. Now, I'm not saying you can't have treasure. I'm not saying you can't have stuff. I'm not saying that you can't enjoy life. I'm not saying these things. Please do not hear me. I'm not saying that everybody's got to sell everything you have and give it to Live Oak Church. I'm not saying that. That's next month. Okay, so I'm not, I'm just kidding. All right, y'all didn't laugh near as much as I hoped you would. All right, sorry. Uh, No, I'm not saying that. Uh, I'm saying that when you see your your success in the stuff that you attain, you're in trouble. You can make all the money. You can be extremely successful. You can have, you know, just tons of stuff. You can live in a big house and and have a big car and a boat and all kinds of stuff. But if people see you as a successful person because of the stuff, it's wrong. You can have all the stuff and people look at you and say, yeah, he's successful, but because of his heart, because of the person he is. I've known people with tons of stuff, but I saw their success in their heart and their compassion and their investment in people. I've saw people that were very poor and just thought they were just horrible people. It has nothing to do with the stuff. It has to do with their heart. Success can't be based on what you have. It's got to be based on who you are. Number three. Judas saw fulfillment, saw that fulfillment can be found outside of God. He found fulfillment in strategy, not God's sovereignty. He found fulfillment in strategy, not God's sovereignty. In other words, he found fulfillment in planning, his plans. He found fulfillment in his legal pad, on his whiteboard. He found fulfillment on do, getting his stuff done on his agenda. That is what he found fulfillment in. Not in Christ Jesus, not in the presence of God, not in the kingdom of God. It was all about his agenda. And it's happening today too. We, we, we have tons of Judas-led churches in our, 
not only country, the world. The church is being plagued with this right now, where we're focusing on fulfillment in all kinds of areas outside of Jesus. We're focusing on fulfillment in, in, in social justice issues or in nationalistic issues. We have on this side, we have people who literally have a cross in their church draped with the American flag. And on this end, you have literally communities, churches in this town, crosses draped with the rainbow flag. Both of them are wrong. Well, Sean, we should be patriotic. Yes, but it does not. We, be proud of your country. But that is not the focus of your faith. That's not where we don't find our fulfillment in that. We, don't, we find our fulfillment in the cross of Jesus Christ. Nothing is draped over it except the, 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 the Jesus and when we put our fulfillment in anything other than the cross, anything other than the gospel of Jesus, we get, we, we become Judas. We have to be careful. This passage shows us the impulse of the human condition. As soon as we get afraid, we do ridiculous things. As soon as we get afraid of the crowd, we start making very worldly decisions. As soon as we're afraid of outside conditions on our life, we begin to make very dangerous decisions spiritually. This passage shows us the impulse of the human condition and the need for a Savior. This is a perfect passage to pivot towards the passion. It's the perfect passage because we see the plans going on before the passion. We see the plan of God. We see the plan of man. And yes, we see the plan of Satan. Jesus bridged the gap between our depravity and God's glory. And that is the gospel. Because left our own devices, left our own selves, we're always going to drift towards depravity. That's why we need Jesus. And so right now, I want to pray. I want us to pray. I want us to ask God to open the eyes of our hearts that we might see if there's anything in us that is keeping us from a right relationship with Him. Is there anything in us? Is there part of our soul that is keeping us from worshiping in a right way, in serving in a right way? Are we here today because of our desire to see God's kingdom come? Or are we here today to fulfill our own agenda? Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for your presence here today. Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you would reveal anything in us that is not of you. Bring it to our attention so that we may repent. It is our desire that we may be whole. It is our desire that we might be right with you. 
Forgive us, Lord, for seeking our ways rather than yours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. By the way, something that's not in my notes, this is free. God's word says that Satan entered Judas. If he would have been full, if his life, if his soul would have been full of the Spirit of God, there wouldn't have been room for Satan. Sometimes we drift so long that our souls are open. We drift so long that our hearts are open that the enemy has a foothold. That's why it's so important to stay connected and consistent with God. Every week we come together to the table. We do this to remind ourselves of what Jesus did, what the gospel is all about. What we're pivoting to right now is Jesus came together. We'll talk about this next week. Jesus came together with his people. He said, listen, I want to have this meal with you. And he passed the bread and said, this is my body broken for you. And he passed the wine and said, this is my blood spilled for the sins of man. When you take this, remember me. And so today I invite us all to come as we remember what Jesus did, the price it took so that we may have access to God. If you're not a believer here today, man, I'm so glad that you're here. I'm glad that you're checking out, uh, uh, checking out the Lord. If you're not a believer, I just invite you just to hang back and respect this process, respect this ordinance where we come together as a family of God. Let us pray, and then we'll come to the table. Thank you, God, for what you did for us. We remember you. We remember the price that was paid so that we may have access to you. In Jesus' name we pray.